life does not always go as planned. You may be on plan B, C, D, E, F, or G, and that's okay. Life can be beautiful and messy. It doesn't have to be perfect. After crying on my kitchen floor for nearly two years, when my first husband left, I found my plan B and a depth of resilience I didn't even know I had. I'm Beth Pass, life coach. Have you ever needed to really reinvent yourself? I redesigned my life by allowing my feelings, forgiving and accepting myself in the new reality, really surrendering, plus connecting with others. We don't have to do it alone. Reframing our negative thoughts and emotions and by not looking too far down the road. Now, I have an incurable joy and zest for life. My favorite hashtag is, what if it's better? (laughs) If you're looking for motivation and inspiration with other resilient, fun, successful midlife women, keep listening to the Pain to Power podcast. You'll meet amazing women who dropped being the victim and found victory. Listen in to create a spark in you to navigate this wild ride called life that comes with living full out. Welcome to Lisa Hagen. Thank you so much for being here to have a discussion about real life. You know, I, I'm going to introduce you. I love the way you described your bio, you know, like Usually I have a bio that's about an inch long with all these credentials and all these things. And I love that yours is simple and straightforward. So here it is, guys. Lisa Hagen, 66-year-old retired woman living her best life. I absolutely love that. Uh, Thank you for being willing to come on again This Pain to Power podcast, sometimes I have coaches and authors and moms with a horrific story, and I'm really thankful that you said yes, because you've been one of my role models, someone who's just ahead of me, maybe a decade older than me, that I keep checking in on watching you do life. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much, Beth. It's really quite an honor to have you contact me and really want to hear about my so-called simple life, which is a good life. Yeah. Yeah. I sense that. I sense that it is simple, calm, and it hasn't always been that way. That's just what it is in this slice of your life. Because when I knew you years ago, when we were exercising together and working in the city and making our mark and proving ourselves, you know, I've watched you as your pain, really, if we want to identify it, has been health breakdowns. It has been cancer. It has been heart stuff. It has been big responses to the breakdown of your physical health. And so we kind of talk about it in kind of that high level of health breakdown, but it has allowed you this Gosh, I don't know. For my seat, it looks like gratitude. Like it's made you so grateful for a body that works that you can almost be thankful for the wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, I, I just kind of call them my storms. I have, I've had a lot of storms in my life 
And, you know, there's always that place after the storm that brings you back to a different level. Yes, so, you know, that, I guess my, my question to you is a lot of people stay stuck in the storm. They set up camp there and they are a victim to the storms of life. And they, that's like, that's their response to everything in life. Well, my health isn't good or my, you know, I've had all this stuff go on. And so how did you move through it? How did you not set up camp there? Well, I guess I have to kind of go back a little bit in my life. Um, I'm going to go back to like 1990 and 33 years old at that point. And that is when my mother passed away, you know, thinking about she was 59 years old and we didn't really have that opportunity to become close friends. We were still sort of mother daughter at that time point. And I didn't know if I could actually move on from that. I mean, I didn't get it. She was gone so soon in my life during my adult life, but I had to realize that her strength during all of that was going to pull me through that during that, that, that initial kind of thunderstorm that was going on at that time. So to get through those kind of things, you have to look for that time, for that information that can bring you out of it. Um, trust, trusting that, that, that maybe her going through those things was going to give me the strength to get through more in the future. I don't know if that, if that answer your question. <laughs> Absolutely. It's almost like you had early role models that showed you in early experiences that taught you get up and get ready for the next hard knock. My grandma used to say that she would, you know, yeah. there was yeah. no sympathy there. Sometimes it was like, yeah. like, get up and get going. So you learned at an early time to trust yourself that you can get through hard things. Right. And, and also I had such a good role model in her. I mean, she, she lived for us. Her role was to be, keep us strong and healthy and educated and, and role models for others as well. We weren't, we weren't the kids that were um, in trouble. We were the good kids. I was kind of the nerdy kid in high school. So, I mean, I, I knew that their, her strength was going to pull me through, even though we had you know, her health problems herself. So. so how old were you when you lost your mom? I was 33. Okay. So I'm, as a mom of four adult kids, one of the things I really, so this is a little segue from your story, but now I'm going back to like, what did, what would you think your mom you know, what did you see as being parented by a mom whose priorities you just said are keep you strong, have you be educated, you know, be that role model to you. It's such a tendency for me as a mom of adult kids to be in their life too much, to want to like plan and plot and not really trust them that they've got this. So tell me what it was like to be like your mom, her priorities were that you were strong, that you were healthy, that you were educated. Did she meddle in your life? How did that roll? No, she did not. And uh, probably a good story for that is uh, at that same point when, when she was very ill, I also lost my job in the research group that I was in. So I was making a transition from one location to another at that time. That's when we moved to Des Moines. And Talking to my dad during that time, 
I felt like I can't make this move now because he would be there himself. But he says, no, we taught you to, that you're, you had to move on your futures. You, you went to your, got your degrees, you're getting good jobs here. You needed to move on. You can't move backwards, even though, you know, he felt sad that we were going to be moving away. He knew that we needed to, because that was our life. We had to move on with our lives. One of the big messages is to keep moving forward, regardless of these kind of chops at the knee, whether, you know, loss of life, loss of jobs, like tumultuousness of life to keep going. Right. Yeah. Just keep moving along. Don't, you can't, you can't stifle yourself into that little spot. You have to be moving on. Well, even your mom is teaching me a lesson and she's been gone for a lot of years. And she can teach. Yeah. Me and my yeah gone twice my age now yeah because yeah. I'm 66 right right oh, wow yeah yeah so these storms of life that have hit you yeah you can add not only health things but job career rug of life rug of career pulled out from underneath you so you had strong role modeling your mom what else uh hmm. what else <laughs> yeah what else just I mean. Really, I guess you just kept marching forward. You didn't overthink it. Right. That's what I hear no. you saying is you were like, your yeah. dad said, you got to move, keep going. So when things happened in your health later in life, your mom was that first teacher. And then you just, you yeah. kept marching, you kept going. I knew that I had to, you know, we had to find a new place to live. We had to find new friends. We had to find new activities, but it was all kind of a new thing. I mean, it wasn't, I never have any regrets that we moved forward into that new life that we had. And I had such a strong husband, you know, he was right there during all of that. Uh, I mean, uh, he's my rock. He keeps me, keeps me grounded. He keeps me thinking of those positive um, moments that we can share together. I mean, we had a lot of things that we had to redo when we move from one place to another, it's a lot of people know that. What do you mean redo? Just, you know, thinking about how we were going to live our life. We thought we were settled in that Fargo-Moorhead area. We had friendships there. We had activities that we did. But then we realized that we can still do those things. It's just in a different place. And there's probably mm-hmm. more things that we didn't even know we, we would be trying or doing or being a part of. And the friendships that we made and the you know, the, uh, the places we could go to and see and travel. We did a lot of traveling in those few first few years and when we moved to Des Moines just to get out there. Kind of felt like we were stuck before that. And maybe these changes may pushed us to those new activities and new expo- expo- exploring things. Yeah. So that's the takeaway for people yeah. is. When you're feeling stuck, go push yourself into new spaces and try new things and go explore. And a huge word in my vocabulary as a life coach is curiosity. I hear you living in curiosity and exploring, even though we thought our life was going to be here and look like this and have a mother who is still mothering at at all ages and a career, but it doesn't ever go the way we think it's going to go. It really doesn't. No, it never does. Yeah. Cause once, you know, once we got there and I got involved in things and I got, you know, my job was where I wanted it to be. 
I felt strong and very, very happy and positive. Kind of made some changes in even things that, that I got involved in. You know, jazzercise was one of those things that I felt was my niche. Yeah. But I kind of got to a point where I felt I needed something different. I needed a different group. I tried to change myself to fit certain groups. Yeah. But then I realized that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I wasn't the fancy one, the, you know, the spiffy had to be part of big fancy groups and cliques. So I made a change. I went to some different kind of aerobic activity. I did kickboxing and I would get myself up at 5 a.m. And and it was kind of, it felt good to try something different and see a different group of people yeah. and how yeah. they were trying to make their health goals what they wanted to be. So I hear reinventing yourself too. Yes. Right? Yeah. Where you're not staying stagnant and building setting up camp in Woesville or and it's not going the way I thought it was going to go. You kept being curious. You kept reinventing. And yeah. holy cow, kickboxing. I'm sure there's a whole life lesson there in that. And a lot of people said to me, you're actually going to just go do this all by yourself. You're, you're not going with a buddy. You're not going with a group of people. I says, no, I'm, I'm going to experience this on my own. And I was going to take a complete lip, flip on what I was going to do. It wasn't going to be in the evening. It was going to be first thing in the morning. You know, just change it up a bit. I mean, and you have to do those things in your life because then you do feel like you're stuck. You're not moving along and you're not experiencing those moments that are out there that you might just have ignored if you didn't step out of your comfort a bit. So when did the kickboxing, the whole restarting of that, and I know you ride your bike and you walk and you log it all. It's just fascinating to me to watch. And I want you yeah. to share about that. But okay. where did all that come in in order of the cancer and the heart attack and your triple bypass surgery? That's all after? Because I just want to yes. underscore if it is, holy moly, look at yeah, you. Yeah, I, okay. I started kickboxing in 2008. And... I was first diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2012. And really, I was probably in the best shape that I ever been. That's not fair. Prior to that time, but prior to 2012. And that was in October of 2012 when I was diagnosed. And that was kind of a long process too. We didn't really trust that that's truly what it was many doctor appointments, but finally got to the point where, yes, it is diagnosed with it. Talked to the oncologist and first thing she said is, do you want to get rid of this or you want to just be kind of wishy-washy about this? I says, let's just hit it with, with the gusco. You need to get rid of this. Wow. So I had six rounds of chemotherapy um, and I have a story to kind of tell with one of them after the first, I think it was after the first one. I was at work. I'd gone into work that day. It was probably the third day after my treatment and started this. Some of the side effects are starting to kick in during that time. I wasn't feeling the best, but I was still there. And we had a fire alarm. You know, everybody outside, everybody out <laughs> in the parking lot, you know, and I'm out there and I'm not feeling well. And people are over and kind of chit-chatting with each other, joking around and all that kind of stuff. And I really felt alone during that time. Just thinking, you know, nobody cares. And I wasn't broadcasting what was going on, but I didn't feel any kind of passion 
during that time. And then a couple days later, I was up one morning. I did continue doing my kickboxing during my treatments. Um, and I was up and went to class and I was in the parking lot and I met up with this one gal and she says, you inspire me so much by being here. I don't know how you do it. She just, she put in my head that, yes, there are people out there that see what's going on. And I didn't realize I was inspiring her to come to class every day. Yeah. She says, yeah. You, just, you just keep me going because I see you can keep on going. So did you start sharing your story more with people? Like you said, at that point, nobody really knew what you were going through. I'm guessing you meant at work. And yeah. so during the fire drill, very alone, everybody's running around and you're sort of sitting there or standing. Did you start sharing your story more with people when you realized it was inspiring others? Yeah, I think more and more people at work knew what was going on after, you know, after that, because I felt that they needed to know because I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't being part of committees. And I was very active in those kind of things. I mean, we had a very dynamic group that I worked with. So they they kind of noticed those things that, and I wasn't there all the time. You know, there were certain days where I wasn't well enough to go in, or I was only there two or three hours of a day, but I was still there trying to, to be who I was, not what the cancer was. They could tell that I still was functioning to get the work done, but there were certain things that I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. During. Yeah. And then, and then the people at my kickboxing, I mean, I was very surprised way after it all was, had gotten through it all and I was getting stronger, how many people came up and said, we had your back. We, we wondered if you weren't there one day, we wondered where you were, or we would ask someone, is she okay? We wish, is she going to be here? So there was a lot of people that I didn't realize that were, as they said, had my back. Yeah. And I think the message or the moral of that story is a lot of times we kind of silently suffer and we stay in our own silo of life. And we even tell ourselves a story that people don't care. People are too busy. And when we can open up and share, it actually is inspiring others. It's generous to share instead of like keeping it all to ourself because without with you just showing up not necessarily what you could kick and what you could lift and all of that and that's how we usually measure our effectiveness mm -hmm. at a kickboxing mm -hmm. class but to just be you to just show up and smile and and be you and I know that we've talked about that's what I wanted you to be in this interview is just be you there's no preparation there you don't have to be dropping gold nugget bombs all around. It's just your soulful way that you live, Lisa, is inspiring. And I think to you, it probably feels like no big thing. It's like a simple lake life. And that's why I want to shine a light on you, shine a light on this, you know, enjoying the little things in life, enjoying moments. So thank you for being you. Yeah, yeah. So there, you kind of already mentioned it, that I like to record things. And I know, I'm so amazed things. at this. I mean, I'm kind of an analytical person. I mean, that's, you know, I work with numbers all the time in my, my work life. 
So in 2020, and you know, everybody knows what happened in 2019 and 2020. Yep. I decided that I needed to start tracking some of my activity. I love to walk. Walk is my jam. It's it's releases um, your mind. It clears their thoughts. It's just I love to walk. I do try to jog a little at times, but I told her I get the little less that I do of that. And and biking, I kind of got into my bike. It's not a fancy bike. It's just a plain old beach type bike, but around the neighborhoods, it's wonderful. So I decided I kind of needed to start tracking some of that. And I didn't want to call it my goals because that was too much like work. I, mean, <laughs> I had lots of goals and work. So I thought, nope, I'm not working anymore. I retired in 2018. And so work was not part of my repertoire anymore. So I kind of called it my my leaps of health, good health, making those, those strides. So I, and I've been tracking mainly my walking, some of my biking, but mainly my walking since 2020 now, every day I write down my Bible. And I kind of looked at my, my journal of, of the today, just to kind of get an idea. I really haven't looked, you know, how much have I walked since then? How many miles? Uh, and it kind of adds up to almost almost 4,000 miles, over 4,000 miles of just walking. And it's wow. all, it almost kind of flabbergasted me. It's like, holy smokes. I mean, that's two or three times to Florida and back. <laughs> right. So it's just 4,000 miles. And I think about all the thoughts and things I've seen during those walks, like the turkeys or certain birds or the trees or the smells and those are the things that make you feel healthy just just that not just the walking but what you see during all those times well and I've been lucky enough to get video or a little audio or a picture of what you see when you're on these walks and for the listeners I want to just point out this is what we call savoring and cherishing and noticing and not missing it. So many times we got our earbuds in or we're talking on the phone, which is all good. Doesn't None of that stuff is bad, but I challenged myself. In fact, Lisa, you are so inspiring to me that I pulled out one of my <laughs> weekly priority, you know, logs. And I, I made a, a tracker that, you know, habit tracker. And I don't know if I love the word habit because I kind of like your idea of don't take ourselves too seriously with these goals, but what we focus on expands. And, and I know there's a certain recipe that keeps me grounded. And for me, I know I hear you saying logging, walking, logging, biking. I don't know if you've ever logged your reading and things like that, but I like to, I have, so you're the analytical personality. I'm the enthusiastic personality, so I need focus in my life. So I will write how many minutes I sat and looked at the water, you know, or. Oh, I've logged lots of different things. Like there was a time where I knew I wasn't eating enough water. Yeah. So I started, okay, I need to write down that I, or have that jug sitting out that I've gotten the amount of water that I need in, in my system. I mean, that's another part of health. Yeah. But some of those things kind of drop off because I feel like, okay, now it's it's becoming more of habit that I've got it back on there again. Yeah. Walking's always been a habit. I mean, that's that's always been my thing. So, but I do like to keep track of that because if there's some time where 
okay, I haven't gone for a couple days. I know why I don't feel like I want to because I didn't get that walk in. And if I feel if I don't track it, it could go longer than that. And I wouldn't know that that's why I'm not feeling like I really should be. Journaling is another thing that I kind of like to do. Um, my journaling came from when I had my heart attack. And I don't know if anyone get into talking about that or not. Yes, I'd love to hear. Okay, so again, I felt like I was very healthy, very active, very active because kayaking and biking and walking and just, you know, over those activities and woke up one night, felt this pressure on my chest and thinking, well, this doesn't seem right. This isn't the norm. It's kind of a message I want to get there too, is don't ignore those things, especially women. Mm -hmm. Do not ignore it. Don't think it's just indigestion or something you ate or you're just not feeling yourself. Always go and get a check because I had no clue that I had any issues um, prior to this this time. And this was just, um, it would have been January of 22, 22. Okay. So you go... After that, I, you know, went in, went to the emergency room and found out that I had three major blocks. Had no clue. Unbelievable. For a woman who's tracking or walking, you know, tracking this, doing kickboxing, it's a wake up call for all of us to listen to our bodies, take it seriously, take action, make the phone call. Yeah, right. It's, you know, just. Don't let it, it just, don't ignore it, I guess, the biggest thing. But because I had been so active and and physical and strength, getting through a triple bypass surgery, I can remember being in the intensive care that next morning after my surgery, and they said, okay, we're going to move you to the end of the bed. We're going to help you stand up and put you in the chair. And I scooted over and stood right up, and they said, well, that wasn't hard, was it? And I says, well, (laughs) you know, pretty strong. Uh, And and really the surgeon said that when I went in for my, one of my appointments, like I think it was three weeks after, he says, you are six weeks ahead of other people in your recovery. Because you're so healthy. Because I was healthy prior to that, not knowing that I had any heart issues during that time. So some people would say, okay, so you had cancer and then you had a heart attack. It's like, do you feel like you just want to give up on those things? No, never, because I feel that those things got me through a lot of those, those storms, as we said at the beginning. And it's almost like I was preparing myself. And did that lead then to some journaling? Yes. That's when I started doing my journal because I wanted to again, track how I was feeling every day, what my blood pressure was every day, what, you know, medications I needed to be taking. Was I not drinking enough water? Was I eating the right things? Because once you have a heart attack, your mind completely changes about, okay, what should I be eating? Maybe I shouldn't be eating all this stuff that I really, really enjoy. Um, But kind of, kind of go through that. You stop everything. Well, you really can't do that either. Bring in things that gradually back into your your diet but you know that you need to do it in more moderation yeah it's almost fine-tune it a bit yeah another reinvention right right like you're reinventing how you eat you're reinventing how you view food probably as a fuel 
not as a party or a, you know. Right. Yeah. And alcohol falls right into that same, yeah. right in that area. Not that we were big drinkers, but it doesn't kind of brings you back thinking, okay, maybe I don't need that second one yeah. at a time. Yeah. yeah. I just enjoy my red wine. Like the doctor says, it's okay to drink <laughs> right. so that red wine. So, yeah. So my journaling kind of started then and it was more all the medical kind of thing. But then I started writing more the fun stuff. Like we went out on the pontoon or we put in a new toilet in the bathroom. Those are the fun things that I go back to and reread. And it's just like, okay, life was good. Life is still good. Yeah. There's that gratitude. There's that gratitude showing up. And it's like, you have evidence of some of those do-it-yourself projects and you know, that respect of like, we didn't just lounge around. Not that lounging around isn't a beautiful, in fact, I'm trying to do more of that where I'm just looking out at the water and just being, but that in a way can be part of your journal that says, I sat and did nothing for a few minutes today, or, you know, even a whole day. I'm, I am thinking about doing a digital detox where I just like, you know, one day a week, my family knows that if they need to get a hold of me, contact through my husband, that I'm really not going to be focused on any kind of digital because it just, anything that has to be plugged in, I feel like just takes from us. So I want to uh, depletes us. So, but it is funny. Sometimes I, I go back a whole year because of course it's been, a, it was a year in February that I had my surgery. Um, and I read those days and it, it sometimes it's almost comical because we kind of do the same things. I mean, okay, we went, we had a fire and I look back a, uh, a year ago and we had a fire that night. It's it's not like we're in a rut, but I can see the things that we enjoy yeah. are still in, there in our lives and they're not fancy things. Yeah. I'm not a fancy girl yeah. at all. <laughs> and that's what is so duplicatable or duplicable. I never know how to say that word, that that's what makes you easy to follow. And when we talked about this pain to power podcast, you know, you've had lots of variety of pains and your power is enjoying the little things in life, enjoying moments. And before we end, I just want to also highlight something you snuck in that I hadn't even thought about until you said it was that you have a strong husband who's been your rock and part of the podcast really Yes, showcasing you, but also that you didn't do this alone. You're doing it with support of someone else. So what keys do you have for us around that? What's made made your relationship, your marriage so strong? And I'd love some insight on Um, that. I guess the biggest word would be respect. And and also, uh, uh, we aren't exactly the same and we'll never be exactly the same. We had completely different childhoods completely different. Not that his was any better or any worse. I mean, we just had a different life. His, both of his parents worked. I grew up on a farm. You know, I was this tomboy out on the farm. He lived in the city. You know, there was, there was some major differences. He had a bigger family. I had two brothers. So it's just some differences in that. So I would say respecting how he thinks, not necessarily what he does, but how he thinks. Back when I, going back to when I was first diagnosed with cancer, uh, after it was all done and I was in remission, 
one of the one of the things that he said to me, now it's been all about you during this time, taking care of you. And he was, he did take care of me quite a bit. Um, now it's about what we're gonna do together. And that's when we decided that we were gonna buy our lake cabin. And he says, it's time that we go out and find that place. We love to travel, but we love to be homebodies too. And we knew that the lake was going to be that place that we could, you know, you know, inspire each other and enjoy mm -hmm. that area. So that's when we bought our cabin was back then. I love a tidbit of respect. You know, they always say women really get to feel love. That's how they and and for men, so much of it is respect. In fact, I think there's a book called Love and Respect. <laughs> so we got the answers to that. And I hear, I love that he said to you, the past couple years or past couple months or whatever the amount of time was, has been about you. Now it gets to be about us. It's like seeing your vision or flushing out your vision together. And that comes with love and respect. And also, you know, our our people have always said that there's kind of an aura around us that that we always respect each other, don't talk uh, negative about each other, uh, take care of each other, bond together. I don't know how else it should be. I mean, that's the only way it's always been between the two of us. So he he um, and you know, there are times where we have a little don't have that eye to eye on something, but we always come back to that, that we love each other and we've always loved each other. And it's going to be 45 years yeah. in September that we've been together. Congratulations. You know, it's, it's just that feeling of wholeness between the two of us. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that people sense that aura around you. And Lisa Hagen, that is why you didn't think we had anything to talk about today because it's just what you know. And so, yeah, but it's yeah. those, those people that are watching your life on the outside that are saying, oh, there's something special. There's an aura that just is around you. So thank you for being with me today. I'm going to give you the last word. If there's something you wanted to share that you didn't get to, that I didn't ask, I'm going to give you the last word, but I admire you. I want to grow up and be like you. And I thank you for showing me the little things in life really are the big things. Right. I guess one thing I was going to kind of mention is, you know, I kind of already mentioned that I was a farm girl and I kind of feel like I have gone a complete circle. It was a little girl playing up in the haymow, had no troubles in the world went through this big storm of time in my life. And now I feel I'm, I'm back to being that little girl with my hand down between the mail, between the straw bales, trying to find those little kittens that were being there and pulling one out and just like, oh, it's a calico. Oh, it's a little white kitten. It's that, that time of surprise. And I still want to be surprised. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. It's like awe and wonder, right? You know, somewhere along the life, when everything gets complicated, we lose that. And what yours, you just brought us full circle through through the storms of life and how they really can, you know, sunshine and rainbows come out after the rain and after the storm. So thank right. you for that. And I wow. know 
it is just my joy and everyone's. If people want to follow Lisa on Facebook, she likes to post there. Oh, I'd love to post pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a crazy one with pictures, but they're always positive and fun stuff. And it's just kind of bringing out that joy that I have. Just keeping your eyes open. Yeah. And that's what I see is inspiration and joy. And it's not complaint. It's not what what's lacking. It's what we have. So Thank you for being you, Lisa. And thank you for being my guest on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm glad that we were able to see our faces together again. It just been a long time. Bye, everybody. Bye. So grateful you tuned in to another episode of Pain to Power podcast. Each month, I'm committed to bringing you juicy, raw, real life stories and shine a light on the women whose lives are often very messy and yet they dropped being a victim to their life circumstances and stood in victory in their thoughts and emotions. I love to inspire and motivate women to love their life. If you wanna receive more inspiration, come play in my private Facebook group called Best Life Tribe for inspiration on the daily, or join my email list for connections, strategies, and tips. Join at BethMottPass.com. I am a certified coach, trainer, and speaker. I lead inspiring private and small group workshops, resulting in authentic coaching in a vibrant community. I host personal and group retreats, as well as virtual gatherings designed to ignite your life and get you back to loving your life. Let's get social. Connect with me on Facebook at Beth Pass Coach or Instagram at Beth Pass or on LinkedIn at Beth Montpass.